Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. Have you ever played that word association game? Like someone says a word and then you respond with the first word that comes to mind? For example, they might say, ladies, and you say, gentlemen, hot, cold, salt, pepper, Colorado, mountains, young parents, tired. What do you think your neighbors would say if they were playing a word association game in the word Christian came up. Now, if they follow the cultural trend, it would probably be something like hypocritical, judgmental, anti-homosexual. How does that make you feel if you're a follower of Jesus? Like, are you okay with that? Because I'm not okay with that. Let me ask you this. How do you want to be known? Like, if you could be known for anything, what do you want to be known for? Maybe even more importantly, well, how does Jesus want us to be known? Jesus was pretty clear about how he wants us to be known. He wants us to be known for our love. And we want to be loving. And I just want to picture with me, like, what would it be like if we were actually known as loving? Like, if love was the first word that came to mind when someone said Christian. Imagine the difference in our world, our country, our communities, even our just our neighborhoods. This is what we're after in this blessed series. You see, we take Jesus' command to love our neighbors seriously. We're actually taking it literally, and we're focusing on five hyper-practical ways that you and I can love those who live right around us. And we're using this acronym BLESS as a framework to remember these practical ways that we can love like Jesus where we live. Now, BLESS, of course, stands for begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve, and share. So the question I have for you is like, how did you bless your neighbors this past week? Did you begin with prayer? Maybe you prayed for your neighbors by name every day. Or maybe you prayer walked your neighborhood this week. That's awesome. How about this? Did you listen to your neighbors? Like when you're in conversation with them, did you listen? Instead of just looking for an opportunity to assert your opinion or share your thoughts, did you take time to ask a question and just listen. Maybe you learned someone's name and you added it to your neighbor map so you could remember their name. Or maybe you were in a conversation and it went to a new level of depth. Typically it had been pretty casual, but this week, oh, this week you got to have a meaningful conversation with the person next door. Maybe even a spiritual conversation. I just wanna say, way to go. Keep it up like you're loving like Jesus where you live. Now, did you know that you actually can love like Jesus when you eat? We all eat 21 meals a week, at least. But did you know that you actually could leverage your eating to love like Jesus? Jesus did a ton of ministry, healing, teaching, a whole bunch, and he didn't stop when he ate. In fact, he did a lot of ministry around the table, and we're going to look at one such account today. So if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Matthew 9, 
9 through 13, where we're going to see Jesus leverage his eating as an opportunity to love those he's with. Now, if you need a Bible, you can, of course, follow along in our free church app, where there's also a place you can jot down some notes during the message. What we're about to read is a little bit into Jesus' ministry. He's, he, his ministry's been in full swing for some time now. He's been loving people, healing people, teaching people. And then he finds himself in a situation which upset the religious leaders, which Jesus was starting to get used to at this point, because that's what a lot of his life did, kind of upset the apple cart of religion. And we're going to look at how when Jesus ate with a certain group of people, it made a real big impact. As we jump in and learn how we too can eat as a way to love others, let's pause and let's pray and let's ask God to speak to us about how we can love through our eating. Lord, you are so good. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to open it now. Would you please speak? Speak through your word. Speak through me. Help us to learn to love like Jesus even while we're eating. And when we do, would our neighbors experience your love expressed through us? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read the whole account together. Matthew 9, 9 through 13. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew. Fun fact, that's the same Matthew who's writing what we're reading now. Picking back up. He saw a a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. Okay, a little historical context to understand how taboo Jesus' actions were here. You see, we might be a little unfond of the IRS today, but for the Jews back then, there were sinners and then there were tax collectors. You see, the tax collectors, they were Jews, but they were working for the Roman government, taxing their own people. To make matters worse, tax collectors would often upcharge their own people to pad their personal bank accounts. Jews, they thought that tax collectors were just the scum of the earth. Now, Jesus saw Matthew, a tax collector, sitting at his tax collector booth, and you know what he didn't do? He didn't spit at him. He didn't mutter under his breath to his disciples, oh, no, no, no. Jesus saw Matthew and invited him to come follow him. And as Matthew's gathering his things, the disciples stand there starstruck. I mean, sure, they were a motley bunch themselves, a bunch of fishermen and such, but a tax collector? Really? Come on, Jesus. This wasn't just religious suicide. This was career suicide. This was cultural suicide. What was Jesus thinking as a rabbi? Well, the day was young and the matters only got worse as it progressed. You see, Matthew then goes and throws a party and he invites those he knows. He invites his sinner and tax collector friends and then he invites his new friends, the disciples and Jesus. Now, back then, 
eating a meal was basically saying, I accept you. Like if you eat a meal with someone, you were accepting them, you were welcoming them into your circle. So here Jesus is with sinners and tax collectors, and he's accepting them. We have the, the disconnected and the connected in the disciples. They're together around one table. And here's the good news for us. You see, while the world would say, and, and the culture would say back then, that you know you got to perform a certain way, you got to do a certain thing, and, and that's how you are accepted. That's not exactly how things work in God's kingdom. You see, God's kingdom is upside down from the way of the world. Whereas sinners and tax collectors, these people who are just religious rejects, they're rejected typically in God's society, in his economy. You know what? They're accepted because of Jesus. Now, this is great news for us because if you've ever felt rejected by religion because of what you have done or, or what you haven't done, Jesus accepts us. He accepts all of us. This is the, the narrative of scripture. It's the story of the gospel, and it is good news for us today. Now, as Jesus is living this out, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, see this playing out before their eyes, and they question Jesus' disciples about his actions. And they say this, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus responded, not his disciples, Jesus just took the floor and responded this way, 12 and 13. On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus quotes the Old Testament prophet Hosea and what he says here, a verse that these Pharisees, oh, they would have memorized in their schooling. And yet Jesus uses that to school them to teach them what he's actually about, not what they thought the Messiah was going to be about. He teaches them what he's actually about. They're, they're, they're captivated by the letter of the law, and yet Jesus shows them that they've missed the spirit of the law. God's heart breaks for the marginalized, the outcast, those who are far from God, those who are, who are outcast and just put aside by society. God's heart breaks for them. And you have to know, look, we have to look no further than the person of Jesus to know this is true. He came not for the healthy, but for the sick, for the sinners, for the tax collectors. Heard a story once, maybe you've heard this story before too, of Tony Campola, pastor, and Philip Yancey actually records it in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace. It's a little bit of a longer story, but I'm going to read it for us, and I invite you sit back, relax, and listen to this. Campolo tells about being invited to speak in Honolulu one time having, and having trouble getting his body adjusted to the 10-hour time shift from his home in Philadelphia. He wound up wide awake at 3 in the morning drinking coffee in an all-night diner. Presently, the door opens and in came about eight women. Laughing and talking loudly, Campolo soon deduced that they were streetwalkers, finished with their evening's work and relaxing before going home to sleep. Okay, they're prostitutes. One, named Agnes, mentioned to her friend that the next day would be her 39th birthday. After the group left, Campolo got an idea. He said to the gruff proprietor behind the counter, did you hear that one woman say tomorrow is her birthday? 
What'd you say we throw a party for her? I'll come back tomorrow night with some decorations and let's surprise her with cake and everything. The man's wife came out of the kitchen. Both of them said, that's a wonderful idea. Let's do it. 24 hours later, the little diner was decorated with streamers and balloons. A festive sign was taped up to the mirror. The couple had put the word out to those on the street and a large assortment of night people were gathered. When the prostitutes came in for their usual coffee, the shout went up, happy birthday, Agnes. The woman stood speechless as the singing began. Tears started to roll down her cheeks. Nobody had shown her genuine kindness in years. The owner brought out a birthday cake with candles. Agnes was in such shock that she had to be reminded to blow them out. She paused again. Well, cut the cake, Agnes, the shop owner said. She finally found the words. In a whisper, she said, please, I just want to keep the cake. I'll take it to my apartment down the street just for a couple days. Please, let me keep the cake. No one knew how to respond, but no one could think of a reason to refuse her request. So out the door she fled, holding the cake as if it were the Holy Grail. An awkward silence filled the room. Campolo finally broke with a bold suggestion. I have another idea. Why don't we pray? Without hesitation, he began to pray a voice over the crowd for Agnes that God would bless her on her birthday, that God would bring peace into her life, and that God would save her from all that troubled her. At the amen, the diner owner said, Hey, you didn't tell me you were a preacher. What kind of church do you preach at? Campolo thought for a moment, cocked his head sideways, and then with a grin, I preach at the kind of church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at three in the morning. What happened next was the most poignant moment of all. The man squinted at Campolo and announced, No, no you don't. There's no church like that. I would join a church like that. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. Because that's the kind of thing that Jesus was about. Now, as a church, this is the kind of church we're going to be. Because we are unashamedly about Jesus. And we are unashamedly about what Jesus is about. Whether it's the sinners, the tax collectors, whoever it is. Who's the person who's far out? Like, no, no, we are for them. Jesus says, I have come not for the healthy, but for the sick. Not for the righteous, but for sinners. As a church, we're going to be a hospital for the sick, not a country club for Christians. Our God-given mission is to connect the disconnected, those far from God, to a growing relationship with Him. So we are going to love like Jesus. We're going to love our literal neighbors. We're going to pray for them. We're going to listen to them. We're going to eat with them. We're going to serve them. And we're going to share the hope we have in Jesus with them. Because like Jesus, whether the people look like us or they don't, we are going to love them all the same. The question is, how? How do we love this way? Well, here's what we know. We know that, that food connects people. Whether it's a, a holiday get-together and the family's all around the dinner table, or we're at the park with friends and we're gathering around the grill. Food connects people. Food is just innately human. We have to eat to survive, so when we eat with someone, we connect with them at the most fundamental 
level. Now, we can leverage our eating to connect with our neighbors. How we go about doing that actually is modeled to us by Matthew. You see, he just moments after he chose to follow Jesus, he threw a party. Verse 10 puts it this way, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When Matthew came to Jesus, what did he do? He, he threw a party. Because who said following Jesus wasn't fun? He invites his tax collector friends, his sinners. He invites his new friends, Jesus and his disciples, the, the disconnected and the connected, all together under one roof, all together around one table. This shattered the religious leaders' minds. It just blew them up. This didn't happen in their paradigm. Matthew didn't know any better, and Jesus wouldn't have it any other way. You know, we've got to pause, and we've got to ask ourselves, if people, if people aren't questioning who's around our table, are we following Jesus, or are we following religion? Because those Jesus ate with turned heads. It wasn't part of the religious paradigm. It wasn't even part of the cultural paradigm. But Jesus was making a point. And who we eat with makes a point too. And I think of last fall, Amanda and I threw just an ice cream social, something super simple for our neighborhood. We knew everyone was about to go into hibernation for winter and we just wanted to get people together, build some relationships before everyone closed their doors. And I was sitting around, I was talking with different neighbors, and I ended up talking with this guy, Jay, for a while, about 15 minutes. I was just asking questions about his job, about his growing up in Colorado, the whole deal. And after about 15 minutes, his partner, Tom, joined the conversation. Now, shortly after Tom joined the conversation, Jay just looks at me and very unassumingly asks, so what do you do for work? And I thought, oh man, here we go. I'm a pastor starting a church, I shared Immediately, Tom took a step back and just closed down. Jay? Jay actually didn't seem unfazed. Or didn't seem fazed by it at all. He, he just kept on going. And it made me think, even to what we talked about last week, how listening is a way that we love those we're with. And how when we listen to people, even people of a different lifestyle, they feel loved. Anyhow, fast forward, okay, to this past May. One Sunday afternoon, Jay knocks on our front door. Amanda answers, and he asks if we would be up for planning and, and pulling off a community get-together for our neighborhood. Maybe like a, a cookout and a movie night to kick off summer. We were like, for sure, yes. We would love to help with that. So we start sending emails back and forth. We went over to their house for a planning meeting. We set up the day of. We flip burgers together. And it's amazing. Because through it all, sure, we pulled off a, a neighborhood get-together. It, it was a good thing for the neighborhood. But we actually started to build a friendship with Jay and Tom. You see, the next day after this get-together, I, I go over to pick up our cooler at their house. I'm not sure where Jay was at the time, but Tom sees me through the, the glass screen door, and he runs up and invites me in, starts talking to me, celebrating the event the, previous, you know, the night before, and then Jay, Jay rolls in too, and we're just, we're just chatting. And, and it made me think, it's amazing how when we begin with prayer, we listen, 
we eat together, even serve together, how people feel loved. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about listening. We're going to talk about serving. But here's the blessed principle for today. Food, like Jesus, is a universal connector. So use food to connect the disconnected and connected. Here's how we could do this really practically in the week and month ahead. All right, one, have a neighbor over for dinner this week. You've been praying for your neighbors by name, using this neighbor map. Try to mix it up this week. Actually have a neighbor over for dinner. And when you do, just ask a question and listen to them. Just get to know them better. Build a relationship. Now, this isn't rocket science, and yet some of us, we avoid having people over like it's the plague. Was it too soon for that figure of speech? It's fair enough. But here are the excuses that just that we just... We think about roadblocks that we erect in our lives that we won't allow us to go out and love those around us. Here's one. I, I don't have the right home. Okay? Uh, Jesus didn't have a home. That's why he went to Matthew's. So even if you're homeless, you can get in on this. The point is this. Leverage what you have. Whatever it is. Right now. And love those around you. Okay? Whether you have a small home, you have an apartment, you have a town home, whatever it is, whatever God's giving you, use it to show God's love to those who live close to you. We also say things like, oh, I don't like having people over. Now, we probably don't vocalize this, but we think it. And if that's where you are, I just want to say, I admire your honesty. I do. And that's a step in the right direction. But as your pastor, I also want to lean in a little bit on this one because this heart posture is so far from the heart of God. I know that's a bold statement, but Scripture backs it up. You see, Scripture is the story of God welcoming us into a relationship with Him. The least we can do as followers of Jesus, the least we can do is invite our neighbor over for dinner. So have a neighbor over for dinner this week. Enjoy it. Make it fun. You can just have more over for dessert. It, doesn't, it can be that simple. And just get to know one another. Now, the second thing I would challenge you to do is this. Host a community get-together this month. I know. I know. You're too busy. I know because this is the excuse that goes through my mind. I'm too busy. I, I can't pull that off. Like, there's so much time. There's so much investment that's going to go into that. And yet all I got to do is, is pull up my phone and just look at my screen time report from my previous week to see how much time I spend watching Netflix or scrolling through social. You know what? I, I don't, <laughs> this isn't how I want to be caught when Jesus returns. I don't want to be sitting on my couch when Jesus comes back and be like, yeah, sorry, Jesus. Like, I know you said to go love my neighbor, but I figured instead I could just kind of sit on my couch and stalk my neighbor from my phone. That's not the life I want to live. It's not the legacy I want to leave. So let's try something this week, because I don't think you want to leave that legacy either. Let's host a community get-together. Let's host a, a Matthew party. Like, like, you know, Matthew, he invites those who are disconnected, the sinners, the tax collectors, and then he invites the connected Jesus and his disciples. What if we did the same? What if we had a, a party, a, a neighborhood thing, or whatever it is, but what if we did it with some who are disconnected and some who are connected to Jesus. And just see 
what God does with it. Now, I do want to pause and I want to say that I recognize social anxiety is a real deal for, for some of us. And if that's the road that you're walking, I just want to say, I am sorry. That has to be, it has to be challenging. It really does. And I still want to encourage you to get in on the action. All right. If starting conversations with strangers isn't your thing, invite some social butterflies to your Matthew party too. And let's just leverage everyone's strengths and let's follow Jesus together. You know, as a church, we actually very intentionally have a, a lean programmatic model. It'd be tempting. It's, it'd be easier, honestly, to just do a bunch of programs and create and fill, fill all of our schedules with these good Christian things. And that feels good. But it can also hinder us from following Jesus at times. We can spend so much time talking about following Jesus that we actually don't have the time to do it. So we try to keep things a little leaner so that you have the margin, the freedom, the space to apply what we're talking about in your everyday life. And we can apply it too. Now, hosting a community get together doesn't need to be harder than it should. So we wanna do whatever we can to come behind you to be the wind in your sails as you do this for your neighborhood. So if you need invites, we have an invite available on the app that you can, you can print off, you can fill it out, you can whatever, get it, and get it to your neighbors. Or maybe you just need manpower or tables and chairs, or you need cornhole or even finances to help pull off a community get together for your neighborhood. Let us know, like we wanna come behind you as a church. We're saying go do this, but don't do it alone. Like we are here to help you win. Just let us know how we can help. There's a form in the app where you can select materials, things you need, and let us know so that we can come behind you and do this. You know, as we close, I want to share about one of these Matthew parties that I was at recently. The, the hosts, they wouldn't have, have called it a Matthew party, but that's what it was when I look back on it. You see, Tyler and Emmy Lego, they are phenomenal at living as everyday missionaries in their neighborhood. They, they love like Jesus right where they live. And that was so evident when I showed up on 4th of July. You see, they had just this little 4th of July get together and they invited a bunch of people. I wasn't exactly sure who was gonna be there, but when I showed up with Amanda and Hannah and Chloe and we walk up, I was struck by something. There was like this even split. There were a bunch of neighbors there and then there were a bunch of church people there. And we just enjoyed some pie, some ice cream. And here's what I observed. The, the neighbors talked with the neighbors and the church people talked with church people and the neighbors and church people talked too. This is the kind of thing that we get to help facilitate and you can be a part of it. You can host a community get together and we're here to help.